Welcome to Destiny Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Eric Smith. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit DestinyDayton.com. Matthew 14, I'm reading out of the New English Translation, which is my favorite Bible translation right now, the net. You can get it for free online. It's got the best study notes for free. Somebody said, I need to buy a study Bible. Why buy it? You can have it for free online. If you want a paper copy, you can buy it. But Net Bible has amazing study notes in it for free. Anybody can become a Bible scholar, right? Sort of. <laughs> Matthew 14. <laughs> it's all how you apply it, though, right? Matthew 14. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side while he dispersed the crowds. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. Meanwhile, the boat, already far from land, was taking a beating from the waves because the wind was against it. And the night was ending. So imagine the time here, okay? It's just that dusk, right? Night was almost over. The sun hadn't started rising yet, but the, the, the eastern sky has got a little bit of a glow to it. In Greco-Roman thinking, this was the optimal time to see a ghost on the water. Give you a little background to why all the disciples th- thought they saw a ghost. So this was like the perfect time. They already were under tremendous... You ever been on a little boat out on the ocean in the middle of a storm? Um, I have, and it's not fun, (laughs) but the only thing worse than drowning in a storm like that is sitting there throwing up 57 times until you get back on shore. Cause you're, you're, yeah. So suddenly the waves like, who cares? (laughs) It's like, Oh, right. Bad. Not good. As the night was ending, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. How many like that little, not good. That'll, that'll bless you thinking about that. Right. As the night was ending, Jesus came to them walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified and said, it's a ghost. And they cried out with fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them. Have courage in his eye. Don't be afraid. Peter said to him, Lord, if it is you, order me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the strong wind, he became afraid and started to sink. He cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him, saying, You have little faith. Why did you doubt? When they went up into the boat, the wind ceased, and then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, they really weren't sure before this verse right here, were they? Uh-uh. See, we like to move the disciples to sainthood. They were barely saved, friends. When Jesus took them in Matthew 10 and gave him a, them authority to cast out demons, they were, they were barely saved. I'm not sure they, they really fully believed in who Jesus was. That's when people come to me, I don't know if I should teach a small group or not. You've been saved 30 years for God's sake and it's time to do something. I don't know if I should get on deliverance team or not. How long have you been saved? I've been saved seven years. It's time. It's time. Jesus took a group. 50, 60, 70, 80, 100 people were following him. He had the 12, the inner inner circle. But he had massive numbers of disciples that he empowered with his authority to do great things for him. And one thing he commonly repeated to them 
Only believe. Have faith in God. If you have faith in God, you'll see. If you have faith in God, you'll see mountains move. Lord Jesus, I thank you for the power of your word. I pray we'll grow in faith today. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we will launch out into the deep today. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Praise you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to share some, you may be seated. I want to share some thoughts with you from this passage. I want to build to a time. I'm going to pray for some people. And I'm going to ask that as, as many as possible, if you could just stay in your seat, unless it's an absolute emergency. Uh, the devil does not want you to hear this sermon. Does not want you to hear it. I'm convinced of it. I, uh, who cares? The devil's going to get it anyway, whether he like it or no. But I want you to know, no matter the cost, no matter what danger it leads us to, no matter how silly we may look, no matter what others may think of me, it is important, my friend, that we always follow God in faith. And I want to tell you, the voice of no faith may be somebody related to you. In fact, somebody in your life that you're related to may be the person that will hinder you the most from moving forward in the Lord. Someone trying to talk you out of following God. Someone trying to talk you out of going all in. Somebody trying to talk you out of going into ministry. Somebody trying to talk you out of, you know, giving everything for Jesus. Somebody trying to talk. I want to tell you, my friend, that is not the voice from heaven. But it's a level of faith that God has called us to. As we've said this a few weeks ago, what if it did cost you everything? What if following Jesus did kill you? So what? Think we're going to stand before God and regret that? Oh, I'm sorry, Lord. I had to die for you for my faith. No, no, no. Oh, no. It's going to be worth it. No matter what it costs us today, it's worth it. It's worth it. Verse 28, Matthew 14. Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. As I'm reading this this story this week, I just kind of thought, you know, that's kind of a funny statement. It's kind of humorous to me. It's like, Jesus, if that's you, tell me to come. And Jesus, if it's not you, never mind. <laughs> Whatever you are, don't tell me then. But Peter's seeing this happen, and he he was the one that 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 maybe recognizes this possibly could be Jesus and not really a ghost, which really says more about Peter than anyone else in the boat. And he says, Jesus, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And this is the first thing about rarefied faith that I want you to see. If Jesus is in it, why do we hesitate? Jesus, if it's you, let me go for something crazy. If it's Jesus, if it's on mission, if it's for the kingdom cause, what are we afraid of? What are we holding back? Why are we hesitating? If Jesus is real, if he is real, if he is who he says he is, if he's more than a ghost walking on the water, then that means anything he says, anything that he's commanded of me, I've got to go 100% for. Amen. I want to tell you, I believe it is time to pray some crazy prayers in faith. I believe it's time for some of you need to get free from things that are holding you back right now. And it's time to start praying some crazy prayers. 
Because I don't think we stretch the envelope enough in our faith. I think we, we feel comfortable praying for headaches. I think we feel comfortable praying for, you know, this and that, a toe ache and a toothache and a headache. But I, I think we hesitate to really go for big, crazy things. But here's the thing. Jesus said, if you abide in me, I'll abide in you. And whatsoever you ask, you shall receive. But understand that comes from a position of intimacy with Jesus. I saw some blowhard atheist on TV the other day mocking this, and he was saying, well, okay, it's what the Bible says. So, Jesus, here we are. We're asking something. Now show up. I'm like, you know, the people just, they don't understand. <laughs> they don't get it. If you want to see God move in your life, if you want faith to move mountains, my friends, it's got to come from a position of intimacy with Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. And then from that position, right, if Jesus is in it, if Jesus is directing it, if Jesus has called for it, that's where we say, if he's in it, why am I hesitating? I love the story about Joshua in the Old Testament who was fighting a battle and he was winning, except for the fact that it was getting dark, right? And they were putting a whooping on like a, an alliance of several kings that got together and they were fighting back against the Israelites, but it wasn't having much effect because God was with Joshua and they were beating all of these armies all put together and they were laying a whooping on them, except for one thing. It was getting dark. And if you have a whooping putting on you about the only thing that can help you is if it gets dark. So what did Joshua do? He prayed him a crazy prayer. God of heaven, I ask that you would cause the sun to stand still in the sky to give us more daylight. Come on, that's a that's a crazy prayer. But what does God do? God causes that exact thing to happen so they could win that fight. Now, everyone knows it's not even scientifically possible to make the sun stand still because that because the earth moves around the sun. So Joshua's prayer wasn't even scientifically correct. And you know what? It didn't matter. God knew what he meant. I'm sorry, Joshua. That's not the science. That's how they, you hang your science. Pretty much the point of miracles. God created it. Right? It takes a law to break a law, right? If you see a cop speeding by you going 100 miles an hour with his lights on, it's like, well, he's, a, he's the law, right? It takes a law to break a law. I can't get in behind him and say, here we go. <laughs> he'll, he'll pull me over because I'm not the law. God can break whatever natural law he wants because he created them. Joshua said, God, can you give us more daylight? Can you make the sun stand still? So God, he caused the light to extend for at least an hour. And God gave them the victory that day. It's also interesting because God just just breaks laws at at his pleasure, right? But God didn't care about the sun standing still. He didn't care that the earth orbits the sun. He didn't care about that because he honors. Listen, 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 listen. He honors crazy faith. If you could learn this and grasp this, if we could learn this and grasp this, it would be life changing. Crazy faith will pray crazy prayers. 
He isn't looking for people who are are afraid of looking foolish. He's looking to back up someone who will risk it all for him. This is the basis of faith. Serious question, my friends. What are we waiting for? What has God told you to do? Where has God told you to operate in? What has God told you to give up? What has God called you to change in your life? Question, why aren't you doing it? What are we waiting for? Sometimes I wonder this question. It's just an honest question, but how much do we really love him? You know, it's like that old movie. He's not that really into you. I kind of wonder how we could ask that about God. Are we really into him? (laughs) Some of you know that movie. (laughs) Not that I've seen it. I just like that title for the purpose of my sermon this morning. We come to church with the question is, are we that really into him? Really? Because we say we are, then we live in fear. Uh, that, that, to me, is pretty much evidentially explains why we don't love him. Certainly don't believe who he is. We think he's some apparition walking on the water still. On this ocean here, this sea, right? This storm blows in quickly, and that's not a great feeling. And despite that... Water waves, the boat, they probably had been on the water enough. They probably weren't the seasick type like landlubbers like me, right? But they were feeling that this could be the last night of our life. And despite that, a man named Peter was willing to risk it all. I feel like that many times, even in optimal circumstances, we hesitate. We have everything tilted our way. We hesitate. We have someone that brings us to church. We hesitate. We have someone who speaks life into us. We hesitate. Why? Why? It's time to blow that out of the water. It's time to blow that out of the water. Again, I'm not even sure Peter fully believed Jesus was the Messiah yet. And here he is putting his life in his hands. I've noticed something in the church world today. Maybe you've noticed it too. But we will sit and listen to people go on and on about how much they love their boyfriend or girlfriend uh, to the point of nausea sometimes. Stop. We'll sit and listen to people go on and on about how wonderful a certain teacher or preacher is. Oh, there's a wonder. Oh, they've ch- I've heard the testimony. Oh, they've changed my life. I'm like, well, did they meet pastor or Jesus? We'll sit and listen to somebody say how great their worship team is, how great their mission, how great their church, how great their brand, how great their denomination. But I've discovered if you really want to make a group of church people uncomfortable, get fervently passionate about Jesus, prayer, holiness, and purity. Because those three closely connected topics will make people uncomfortable. Why? Because many of them don't have boxes to put those other items in. They don't have a box for somebody being radical about Jesus. Can you imagine somebody just going off how much they love Jesus, how awesome he is, and you try to change the subject to something else, and they just circle back to it. Yeah, but he's just amazing. Yes, he changed my life. Can you you imagine the uncomfortable? you see that? You've seen that before, right? Just the uncomfortable. This guy is too into it. This guy takes it too seriously. I've heard people say, they've taken it too serious. They've gone off the deep end. Yes, I have. And I ain't coming back. 
I ain't coming back to your dead dryness anymore either. I heard Brother Jason last week. I ain't going to that one-hour church. Come on, I ain't going there. I ain't going there. I ain't going to do it. Because you see, when you have an unbridled passion for Jesus, for prayer, for holiness, you become passionate about the things that, that most others don't have or some will never have. That's why God's calling his people out of the boat. That's why God's calling his people to rarefied faith. Those are the people that set the standard spiritually. Those are the people that will push other believers behind them. Those are the people that by their acts of faith, others will come in and say, you know what? I wasn't sure where I even was. But after seeing you, man, you've done something for my faith. That's the kind of believer that I want to be. Probably other than Jesus' resurrection, my favorite story in the entire Bible was when Jonathan and his armor bearer took on a garrison of Philistines and wore them out. A garrison of Philistines, that had been probably 20 to 30 soldiers. Jonathan was one man. His armor bearer wasn't even allowed to swing a sword. He was carrying his, his stuff for him. It's like a, think of caddy in the Gulf. Right? Jonathan, like Tiger Woods and his caddy. Let's go. Israel had been put to shame by their enemy. And Jonathan said, I am sick and tired of seeing the enemy have his way with God's people. You, come with me. We're putting an end to it right now. So Jonathan approached them. The Bible says that the Philistines had the high ground. Right? If you're going to take on a group of 20 or 30 soldiers by yourself, let me recommend that you have the high ground. He did not have the high ground. He did not have numbers. And they made, they made fun of Jonathan. Jonathan began to say, I'm coming up there. I'm going to strike you in the name of Jesus. Well, in the name of the Lord. Same thing. And the Bible says they began to make fun of him. Sure, you can read it. Sure, come up here. We got something for you. <laughs> so Jonathan took his armor bearer and they climbed up the side of this hill. And the Bible says when they stood up, I believe something supernatural happened. When they stood up, the Philistines fell before him. Remember when they came to arrest Jesus in the garden? Judas says, the one I kiss, that's the one you want. When they came, it was dark. They had their torches. They said, which one of you is Jesus? And remember the Bible says, I think it's the book of John. He says, I am he. And when he said that, they fell before him. I'm just wondering right there in that moment, there is some sort of appearance of the power of God. Jesus, just like he put on Gideon, he puts on Jonathan in that moment, I don't know. But the Bible says that the armor bearer got so excited, he began hitting them with his sword. And he shouldn't have done that, right? His job is to give the sword to, to Jonathan. But Jonathan and his armor bearer wiped out every one of those men. Now, that's, that's a great part of the story, but it's not my favorite. Here's the best. And this is where you and I come in today. If we will operate in rarefied faith, if we will stop hesitating when Jesus tells us to do things, no matter how crazy, watch the result. 
The Bible says the next day they lined up for battle, but the word of Jonathan's victory began to trickle up to the mountains where soldiers that had fled. Right? They didn't go to Canada. They just went, they had Canada to go. They just went up to the mountains, right? They were afraid. And the Bible says when word got to the Hebrews that were hiding in caves for fear, they heard about Jonathan's great victory. And they said, we're going to put our armor back on and we're going to go back down. And the Bible says Hebrews, Israelite army members that had fled, they had abandoned their posts. They came back and they joined their ranks against the Philistines. And it gets even better than that. It gets even better than that. The Bible tells us that there were Hebrews, members of God's army. They had seen God do amazing things. They had totally turned their back on God and they were now fighting for the Philistine army. Could you imagine fighting against your brothers? They quit and now they're on the other team because they were afraid. They were so convinced you were going to lose. They were so afraid you or or so convinced you had no chance. But Jonathan's victory got to their ears. And as they stood among the Philistine ranks, the Bible says that they began wrenching off their Philistine armor and they ran back to the side of the army of the Lord. And they said, we're back. We're back. We heard about what God has done and we're back. I want to tell you something, my friends. When you move in the exploits with great faith for the Lord Jesus Christ, it will impact people. It will impact the backsliders who have quit church. It will impact the people who have turned their back on God. It will be a game changer. That's why the devil does not want you to grow in your faith. The devil does not want you to believe what I'm preaching today. The devil does not want you to hear this today. The devil wants you to walk out same old. But the Lord is trying to raise up an army of people that understand if you will just believe God is able and we will see amazing victory if you will only believe. Hallelujah. God is looking. God is looking for rarefied faith. I believe we're about to experience a Jesus revival that's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. It's already begun. It's going to be a revival of prayer and holiness. It's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. I want to tell you, Satan will tolerate all sorts of spiritual activity, but when you get serious about prayer and holiness before the Lord, the moment we get radical about Jesus, look out. Because I want to tell you, the religious will come against you like a crawdad floating on top of a bass pond. If you've never fished and seen that happen, I apologize, but it's... If I go to a bass pond, give me a live crawl dad on a hook and I will have more bass than anybody in that boat. I promise you or on the shore. I'll put me on the shore. I don't care. Because religious people will hate it when people stand up and say, I believe God. I don't care how crazy it sounds. God is looking for rarefied faith. Second thing I want you to see here this morning in this passage is he said, Jesus replying to Peter, come, one word, come. So Peter got out of the boat and started walking on water. But Peter didn't hesitate. But we all, we all see something here very, very profound. Is, and it's rarefied faith requires simple trust in Jesus. The waves, the storm... 
it, it's it's a decision. If you ever if you've gone bungee jumping, ever parachuted out of an airplane, right? There's just that moment of truth. <laughs> I, I saw I see video of this every so often. I've been down there so many times down on the New River Bridge down in West Virginia. It's like one of the greatest places in in America to go whitewater rafting. The the New River and the Gully River. It's a it's a fantastic, beautiful area. But people bungee jump off of that bridge, and I'm thinking, you know, and I, I've I've never I don't how many things have I bungee jumped? Not there <laughs> for sure. I've jumped from other high places with other things right attached and whatnot. But there's always that moment where. It was a big rope in a barn, okay? It wasn't that great. But it was still 30 feet. I mean, that's still, okay. Perspective, okay. There's that moment where you say, I, I just have to trust this. Some of you feel that way. You get on a roller coaster at Kings Island. You get in that ball, right, with a big rubber band. Go, right? You ever done that? Anybody ever done that? Right? I try to stay out of that because I was afraid it'd shoot me all the way to Norwood and I wouldn't be able to get back to Kings Island. Like all that weight and that ball. There's just a moment where you just trust the process. My life is it. This, if this thing works, it works. And I'll live to see another day, right? We have to have a simple trust in Jesus Christ. Let me just circle back here and just tell you a little bit about the disciples that we try to put in the pantheon. A little too soon here of great people of faith because Jesus blasted them regularly. Oh, ye of little faith, right? But the Greco-Roman understanding of ghosts is interesting because I've seen people try to say, well, the disciples weren't superstitious. We, we're, trying to, we're trying to gloss them and make them look more spiritual. Right? They were very superstitious. Like I said, they barely believed in Jesus. And the Greco-Roman understanding of ghosts is interesting because there was one thing that a ghost could not do. There's, and this is odd. But one thing, a maritime, a sea-going ghost, one thing they could not do is walk on water. It was easier for them to believe it was a ghost doing what he can't do than to believe that Jesus Christ was really the Son of God who he said he was. So you see how much of a faith issue it was. In Greco-Roman thinking, only gods or divine men really walk on water. You see, this reveals that the disciples had not yet really believed Jesus to be who he really was yet. So when the disciples see Jesus walking on the water, they think it's a ghost. They are actually believing something impossible rather than believing the obvious. Jesus is God. And they still didn't believe that he was a Messiah at this point, except for maybe one man in that boat. Simon. One man in that boat. He had this much faith. Everybody hold up to this little pinch right here. He had this much faith. You know why I know that? Because he said, if. I want to tell you something right now, my friends. If you have faith the size of an if. Lord, if it's you, let me come out on the water and walk to you. And Jesus didn't hesitate. He said, come on with it. Bring it right now. And we look at this day that Peter denied Jesus later on. Yet we forget that he may have been the first one who truly believed in Jesus Christ. Simple faith is always so powerful. Peter asked. Jesus said one word. Peter jumped out of the boat and he began walking on the water. And notice there's no discussion here. Peter never said, well, well, well wait, wait, wait. 
let, let, let me put out a fleece before the Lord and see if this is really God's will for me to do this. Notice that Jesus didn't have to explain the process to Peter so he'd feel more confident about it. You see, Peter, when you use your faith, you're going to be able to stand on those water molecules and the, the density of your body will not sink. He didn't have to do that. So I hope you're relating to this because these are all the things that I hear people doing today. Try to get out of moving in faith. Uh, put out a fleece. Can we stop saying dumb stuff like that? Don't, you don't need to put out a fleece. That was Gideon. It's not you. It's not me. We don't ever need to do that. We have the Holy Spirit. If you're going to say something like that, Sam will roll the dice and cast lots. At least he'll be in the New Testament instead of the Old Testament. But we don't need to do that either. We have the Holy Spirit. Hello? Notice Peter also didn't say, well, wait a minute, Jesus. I'm pretty new in you. I'm a new yin. Someday I'll be a Christian, but now I'm a you yin. I'm with you, yin. Uh, Jesus, you're Jesus Christ. I'm a pretty new you yin. And uh, I love being a you yin, but I'm new being a you yin, Lord. And um, I don't know. I don't know if I'm ready for this. Come. 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 Even if our faith is as small as an if. Y'all hearing me? That sounds like another verse, doesn't it? If you have faith the size of a grain of mustard seed. You ever seen a mustard seed? Think peppercorn except smaller. Yep. Yeah, now we're calling out our favorite plants. I know. I, 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 <laughs> I know there's a lot of small seeds out there. I understand that. <laughs> but Jesus said mustard, so we'll stick with that one. If. Rarefied faith will operate off of if. I'm not sure how this will end up. I'm not sure if this is going to cost me everything or not. But if God's in it, I'm getting out of my boat. If. I'm just crazy enough to believe, God, that that's you out there on the water. These other guys think it's one of these little maritime ferries floating across the water, but I think it might be you. And if it's you, tell me to come out. Good, I'll do it. If you tell me, I'll do it. Come. You know, I just was just remarking in my heart this week about just somehow uh, amazing things God has done through some great men and women of our past. I want to show you a couple of video clips here in a second of a man named William Branham. It's rare video. Please remember it's 70, 80 years ago. Culture's different. Time's different. Word use is different. Okay. But William Branham was a man who had an uncanny use of the word of knowledge. In fact, there's few examples out there. there there's been others, but maybe not as well known as him who call out people's addresses call them by name, never met them before. He was active mid forties, early fifties. When he did his ministry, the video clips you're going to see are from that time period. Obviously my mother-in-law, Julie's mom was a little girl and she went to one of William Branham's meetings and, uh, she went with her grandma, her grandma's daughter, her aunt, was going to go too, but she was home 
sick, had, had a blood clot in her leg, leg swollen. You've, you ever had a blood clot in a leg or seen that? You understand? You're painful. Stay off of it. So she was laying in bed. She couldn't go. So my mother-in-law and her grandma, Mrs. Houston, went to see William Branham, believe her for a healing. Her grandma needed a healing too. I don't remember what that was. So in the old days like that, healing crusade, you just line up. He preached, preached the word, simple faith, everybody line up. He'd pray for people. He'd give them a word of knowledge. Some people not so much. You just pray, move on, pray, move on. My grandma, or my mother-in-law's grandma came next in line. He looked at her. This, he'd never met her before. No cards filled out, right? No electronic devices in the ear, right? And all that crazy stuff. People try to say that. That was one guy, you know, a few years ago that did that. It was an abomination. Waved this way before all that was even possible. William Branham looked at her and said, Mrs. Houston, never met her, didn't know her name, no name tags, right? Mrs. Houston, God's healing you today. He said, oh, and your daughter is home in bed with a blood clot in her leg. When you get home, she's going to be well also. When they got home, they said, they told her, they said, hey, he called you out your blood clot. You're healed. So she jumped up, boom, healed, gone, pain free. I just want you to see how important it is just a little bit of faith because something William Brandon, you'll hear it in this video clip, something he says a lot. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Do you believe what the word says? Do you believe? It's faith. It's faith. It's faith. I want you to watch these clips. I thought this will help build your faith a little bit today. Again, keep in mind the time period. It crash of some sort. Yes. It's an accident. Yes. Yes. And you, yes. it was a car uh, wreck. Yes. And you were thrown in the air yes. like that. Yes. And it strained you in somewhere in your neck yes. and it's caused a, a cancer yes. to come into your neck. Uh, or, and you're some sort of a teach in the scripture. And you yes. believe that Jesus Christ makes you well. I do. Father God, in the name of thy Son, Jesus Christ, on the authority of God's word by a dying woman, I ask this evil thing to leave her. Satan, you are exposed. So come out of the woman as the church of the living God calls for you to leave in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Now, sister, just a moment. I just want to talk to you. Of course, you know it's gone now. Oh, yes. It'll stay that way. See how your throat left? Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Praise the it's Lord. It's all gone from her. The, the garter has left her throat. And she, God bless you. Go on your road now and be thankful. Happy and rejoice. And, and be, mm-hmm. Of course, you're sick. And you're suffering with... Uh, a condition it's a it's a dark spirit around that hat was popular back then so that's a lot of women a form of cancer and the cancer is located on the breast and you're seeing you're examined by someone strong and it's a you got a, a ruptured condition and the rupture is in the bowel and you have a stomach trouble also a severe heart trouble it causes you fainting uh, uh, here a few days ago, you're sitting sideways on the side of a bed and nearly passed out looking towards your window. Huh? 
Are those things the truth? Yes, it's that all was true. All true. Well, whatever it was, of course, it's gone from me. But what do you think that was that knows your life? Was it Jesus Christ? You accepted to be that? Yes. Thank you. And I You're willing, you know that something supernatural is here. Yes. And if you believe it to be the Lord Jesus, as I have preached it out of the Word, and you believe it to be the Lord Jesus. Yes, I do. I know there's a dark spirit still hanging at you yet. It's something very serious. Say, I see you. Your name is uh, Eva. Yes. And your last name is York. Yes. And you live in this city. Yes, I do. And your house number is 613 6th Street. Yes. Is that right? Yes. You're going home to be well. Oh, in the name of Jesus Christ, may she go and be made well. God bless you. Just go rejoice in heaven. To God. Amen. Now we are be strangers. I see that you are strictly a stranger to me. You're from away from here. You come from another city. You've got a lot of trouble on your heart. You got hard trouble to begin with. Is that right? There's a whole lot of blackness. I see a black sheep keep following you like that. Oh, it's a lie. Somebody told a lie on you. And that was a man was professing divine healing. Yes, sir. He said you was a witch. Is that true? And you've got a whole stir in your church or something other about it. Isn't that right? Your pastor's sick right now. He's got polio. Is that right? Sister, don't pay no attention to what them people tell you. They're lying. And the only thing's wrong with your heart is that nervous condition got your heart worked up. Go on home in peace, and God bless you. You're all right. God bless you. You're not all right. I love that. Do you believe what I'm telling you? Smith Wigglesworth. I won't show any of his clips this week. We'll save some of those for later. All things are possible if you only believe. Simple faith. Simple trust in Jesus. This is simple of Jesus. I'm going to get out of the boat because you said to come. Simple faith. Verse 30, and I'm closing. When Peter noticed the strong wind, he became frightened and he began to sink. I want you to see this in closing today. But if we are going to move in rarefied faith, it's going to require eliminating the faithless voices that currently exist in our life. Rarefied faith will be struck dead by cynical, by unbelief, by religious people, by especially backslidden religious people. If you're taking any advice from a backslidden religious person, you need to run, run, run. Peter was doing great until he stopped to do the math, didn't he? He had to stop and try to figure it out. See, that will always kill faith. God said to do it. God said for me to launch out. I don't feel like it. It's scary. It's yikes. It's oh no, scary winds, scary waves. Look out. But I want to tell you, we have to operate and believe God in spite of that. But the moment, hear me, the moment we stop and do the math, we're going to sink. 
Peter did good for so long and then he stood there and he's like, wow, I shouldn't be able to do this. Wow, the winds. Wow, all this is happening. And he began to sink. I want to tell you something. That stuff will still kill your faith today. When you listen to faithless voices, when you listen to criticism, when you listen to to people that are fake religiosity, when you listen to people that want to critique and be negative all the time and dissect, I want to tell you, you will have nothing. Do you hear me? We must believe God at all costs. We must believe God, even if it means we look foolish. Who cares? I will throw my coat in with him any day of the week. Let God be true. Let man be a liar. I'll look like an idiot. I'll look like a fool. That's okay. But the moment we listen, when we get, we get prophetic words, we start critiquing them. We start being cynical. We start doubting them. We hear the word of God preached. We start doubting it. And being like, well, yeah, but you know. Well, you know, all we had to do. See, do you hear that sound? That was your miracle going out the window. Bye. Bye. My breakthrough. Bye. Because without faith, it is impossible to please the Lord. He that would come after me must not only believe that he is, but he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. The one that would diligently seek him would say, God is real. I believe him. I take him at his word. I believe God. Let's stop making excuses. Let's stop playing the what about ism. What about who cares? I will believe. I will believe. Don't stop and do the math. You'll become full of fear. You'll become a skeptic. You'll get a word of knowledge. You'll get a prophetic word. You'll doubt it. You'll start debating the straw man who didn't even show up to the argument, right? I get people all the time. They want to, they want to, you talk about stuff like this and they go to some straw man. I'm like, no one even brought that straw man. Why are you arguing the straw man for? One of the greatest ways church folks introduce a straw man is to quote a scripture out of context. Or quote phantom verses. You know, verses don't don't really exist, but they're quoted and they sound like theology. You've heard them. Well, brother, God said he'll never put anything more on you than you can bear. Well, it said, says, don't wear in the Bible. Oh, what the Bible says. How the heck are you supposed to grow in faith if God can't put more on you than you could bear? That's not in the Bible. But how many people think that's theology? Well, God won't put you through more than you can bear. That's not the Bible. God will absolutely put more on your bar than you can lift. (laughs) He wants you to get strong. He wants you to do something called faith. Some believers have voices and influence in their lives that, frankly, you need to unfriend them. You need to delete their contact info. You need to stop listening to them. Stop seeking advice or taking advice from them. Stop seeking their so-called wisdom because they have none. Because the Bible says wisdom is first pure from up above. If the, if the person who's speaking to you isn't pure and the wisdom isn't from the Lord Jesus Christ, it's dung. Well, you know, they're, they're giving, someone giving you advice about marriage and they have 17 divorces themselves. I think you probably shouldn't listen to them. Well, let me tell you about marriage. I don't want to hear about marriage for somebody who hadn't been able to pull one off yet. Not throwing shade at anybody that hadn't. Stuff happens. I get it. But I want to tell you, just be careful who you take advice from. I've had people in my life had trouble in their marriage and they're get, they, they wouldn't want to come to me because they knew I would tell them the truth. But yet they're taking advice from people from their work that have been divorced three or four times. Like, you know, no wonder you ended up the way you did. I love you, church. 
just trying to help you here. Again, not throwing shade on anybody who's been through anything difficult. I get it. I've been through my own hard stuff. But I know one thing. God will be true and man will be a liar. I know if I want to move forward, it's going to be in faith. I know if I want to march forward, it's going to be on the word of faith. I don't have time to critique and criticize moves of God. I don't have time. You know, people want to come and, and talk bad about it. You know, people want to talk bad about different preachers or, but you know, people that put down Benny Hinn. I'm like, you know, I love Benny Hinn. Don't, don't criticize Benny Hinn around me. Don't criticize Oral Roberts around me. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Those are mighty men of God who saw far more in their life than most of the little, little cynics that shooting arrows at them ever have. Because the things that ungodly or just faithless people are telling you, my friends, only serving to damage your faith and therefore it will damage your future. Do you hear that? If your faith is damaged, your future is damaged. I, I just feel like I just need to drop the microphone right there. You're worried about your future? Build your faith. Get faithless people out of your life that are hurting your faith. Because your faith is so blazing and so amazing and so glorious that it's going to take all the faith that God has put inside of you plus a little bit to get there. And I'm sure that's the, that's the preferred future that we all talk about and that we all believe in, but we'll never get there as long as we're listening to people who try to give us advice who can't even heal a head cold. They can't even see a little tiny demon cast out, but yet they're trying to give you spiritual advice. And I think it's time for us to say, hey, if you're not running with the dogs that I'm running with and you haven't seen what I've seen and you're not trying to walk right I'm walk, then I want to tell you, I don't got time to listen to your advice. Nothing personal. It's like Damon Thompson says, you know, the, the American church spends billions of dollars every year to go to Israel so they can walk where Jesus walked. Because it's a lot cheaper than having him walk where you're walking. I want him to walk where I'm walking. I want him to walk where I'm walking. With all of our scars and battle defeats and things that we've gone through, we could be like Peter and the other 11 sitting in that boat. We didn't even fully believe that Jesus was the Messiah, but we just had enough if. We just said, you know, Lord, I've been to battles. I've had some bad things happen. I've been through some tough times, but this is what I know. From this day forward, my faith in you is going to be yes and amen. My faith in you is going to be unwavering. My faith in you is going to stand strong. And I know that God is able to do exceedingly above of whatever I could ask or imagine. So I'm going to put my faith in him. And today will be the weakest day of faith for the rest of your life. I declare that over you right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Today will be your weakest moment of faith. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Come on, I don't care what your profession is. Whenever you are faithless and speaking doubt, fear, and negativity, you are speaking on behalf of hell. I posted a little clip of our one of our altar services recently here, and it was just it was really glorious. God's power was moving, touching people. People were crying out, and somebody somebody commented under that, "I never thought that church would have revival." With everything within me, brother Chris, everything I wanted to. You know what a reduction sauce is for those of you that cook? 
you get some syrupy goop and you cook it until it's reduced and reduced and reduced. I wanted to do a reduction sauce on that person. But my spirit man won. Woo! Come on. (laughs) I said nothing. I let them look like a fool because they sure do. But I am going to believe for God to do amazing things. I am going to trust God. I'm not going to listen to what the negative said. There are people in your life right now that said, you'll never be serving God in five years. You're going to end up quitting God. You'll end up quitting church. You'll end up leaving your, you'll end up, you know, stop. But here you are anyway. Here you are anyway. Don't be afraid to tell off a faithless person. Remember, Jesus later on looked at the same Simon Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. We know faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. Faith to move mountains comes with a price. My question is, what are we filling our ears with? What are we allowing to come into our ears? Some of you are just, you, you, you got to flip one script. Some of y'all, you just have to flip one script. There's one person you need to exit out of your life. There's one contact you need to delete. There's one phone number you need to delete. There, there's this one thing you need to change. And then you need to fill that stream with good stuff. You need to get on some godly podcasts. You need to listen to, you need to get in the word of God, right? You need to fill your mind with faith. Stand to your feet with me today. Lift your hands to the Lord. Hallelujah. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. This message and other resources are available at DestinyDayton.com.